Daniel chapter 12, verse three is our text uh, here for the morning. And there it says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. There's kind of a, a two-fold person here that shines brightly. The first is the person who's wise. They that be wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament. The firmament uh, in the Bible, when you talk about that fancy word, um, is the sort of the atmosphere that reflects the light of the sun. Um, like when we have a beautiful sunny day like today, you know, the sun, if we didn't have our atmosphere, the sun would blast us and it would be way too much uh, uh, heat and ultraviolet rays and it'd be a problem for us. But because of the firmament or the atmosphere, it, um, you know, uh, it, it actually spreads the light, uh, sort of like a light bulb cover, you know, the cover on the light bulb takes the filament light and sort of disperses it more in an equal fashion. That's the way, in a way, our firmament Works And so the firmament is that which reflects the light of the sun. So who, who's wise? Who's the wise man, the wise woman? Um, it says here, uh, you know, the wise is the one that shall be as bright as the firmament. That is to shine your light, reflect your light as we are to be uh, children of the light. That's the first part of this. But then the person who points someone toward righteousness, they'll shine like the stars. That's the second part of this. It says, you know, some, some people will uh, be bright just from like the firmament because they're wise, but they that turn many to righteousness, uh, they'll be like the stars shining forever and ever. Shining like the stars. That's an interesting phrase. And it's kind of thought provoking, especially if you know sort of the rest of the Bible when it talks about things like this. Now, sometimes to appreciate us being light or Jesus being the light of the world and how we're supposed to reflect that. I think sometimes to appreciate our calling to be children of the light, sometimes we have to start with the dark, depressing backdrop and see how dark things are. Do you guys sense that things are getting darker? I don't know about climate change. I mean, I, I, I've done a lot of reading and research and I, you know, I, um, I, I've, I'm a little cynical maybe, uh, maybe a lot, um, but, but, I, but they are saying apparently that it's getting darker, the world's getting darker. Um, I don't sense that, my sensitivities to that, uh, as far as the sun dimming and all that, I can't tell. I don't have that kind of sensitivity, but I sure can tell that the world is getting darker spiritually. I think climate change is part of that, uh, actually. Uh, the, the agenda sometimes, it's along with some of that stuff. In fact, the agendas that we're seeing out there, there's kind of a darkness about where we're at in the world today, and some of you feel that. Uh, some of you actually literally are losing your jobs right now because of, you know, what, what is it? Uh, overreach, agendas, things that are a little weird. Things feel weird. You know what? They felt really weird, especially if you're an Oregonian here. Remember when we had the fires a couple summers ago and, and how dark it got? Remember the blood red skies we'd see and, and the smoke along with the threat of the pandemic and, and uh, lockdown and things just seemed literally dark. When we, when we were entering into that season. And, and then the big phase, you know, phase of, are we ever gonna go back to normal? And what's the new normal? Well, as it turns out, here we are a couple years later now. Um, and Oregon, well, we're still not back to normal. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of weirdness, a lot of agendas. Um, you know, is it, is it weird? Is it dark? That we're supposed to be in this pandemic. Meanwhile, we're firing thousands of nurses and doctors today. That's a weird thing to me. Like who does that? If it's a real pandemic, as a student of history, I've studied pandemics. 
And the pandemics, and, and I, now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying coronavirus is not real. And um, you know, people get, send me letters, Brett, don't you understand that it's real? And you're being insensitive. You gotta understand, one person wrote me a letter about a, a person that died that you said, you don't understand, Brett. Well, I actually knew that person, it was a friend of mine. Um, they didn't know that, uh, but it was a close friend of mine. Um, and I've, I've known people now, um, and, I, and I've never said it's not real, I just don't know if we should call it a pandemic. I'll tell you why. Some of the pandemics in past, if you looked at 10 people, six of those people would have been dead by the end of the pandemic. Fortunately, we're not seeing that. Uh, the numbers and all this stuff. But meanwhile, the fear and the um, anger and the, the overreach and the control and stuff, it's starting to get palpable, but it, it feels less like a medical issue, but more, almost more of a spiritual issue. Like, how did it turn into that? I kind of like to keep my medical and my spiritual separated. Um, but what do you mean, Brett? Well, I think it's dark that we're firing thousands of doctors and nurses. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's weird that we're firing thousands of cops during the middle of a crime wave. We're in the middle of a, of a horrific, nationally, we're, we're in a crime wave right now. And, and so we're firing thousands of cops because of uh, immunization or you know, vaccines and stuff. That's weird. You know, so, um, you know, if it's the nurses, this is, this is an article that I was reading and this picture taken from that. You know, the, the, the same people that we were calling heroes last year that we're firing them right now. That, that's, that's, that's a weird contradiction to me. Um, here in Portland, you know, we've, these are Portland police, you know, riot police. Um, and we're, we're already getting ready to fire hundreds of these guys. Um, in the middle of crime waves. KGW8, Portland, Oregon, uh, just had an article in June. Um, gun violence is on the rise across the city of Portland. In 2019, Portland had 389 shootings, according to the data from Police Bureau, Portland Police Bureau. Just one year later in 2020, that number rose and more than doubled, skyrocketing to almost 900 shootings. That, that was just last year. This year, um, uh, they're already well on pace to, to break the thousand mark in shootings. Um, and actually you can go to the, the, the Portland's uh, website, the shooting incident statistics, and you can, it's all graphed out for you. Um, you can see that uh, the, the numbers are, are shocking. It always it makes me chuckle when people say, I can't believe Brett, you bring groups to Israel, uh, into Jerusalem. Uh, I'm like, why? Because it's dangerous there. <laughs> Not even close to Portland. Like you're way more likely to be killed in Portland than you are in Jerusalem. Uh, it's such a, f a funny narrative that people get all freaked out about. But uh, as it turns out, um, the updated statistics, it's, it's, uh, we're headed to a thousand uh, for 2021. Um, I'm not trying to be funny here, so don't laugh, but is it dark that we're calling a man the first female uh, four-star admiral? Th this is truly what we're saying. We're touting as a nation, we have our first. Now you say, Brett, you should have chosen a better picture. I tried to find one, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious, that was the best one I could find. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, you know the reason why people are gonna write me letters and, and you know, talk about how horrible you know, this is, it's because there's an agenda out there that is forcing this notion that there's more than one gender and what have you. Um, they're forcing that down our throats. But if you're a Bible believer, God says, it doesn't matter what Brett says, God says he created the male and female and that's how he created us. And you know what, that was good enough really up until just a few weeks ago, I, I joke, I mean, a few years ago, we've sort of changed it. Now there's, uh, you know, infinite numbers of genders and we're celebrating this, you know, if it, it, honestly, I feel like we're doing such a disservice to women uh, 
when they're calling this man a, the first female admiral. Now, before we get too all teary-eyed about this, um, this admiral, four-star, is not in the military, if you, if you didn't know that. Um, basically, this, this person is a admiral of the United States health system. They, they call it an admiral. So don't, don't get too all in a tizzy about this. Um, but here's my, here's my concern. So this person now, because he's the four-star admiral, uh, of the health you know, system in, in the United States, we're suppo- you're telling me that we're supposed to follow this person's lead because this guy's now in charge of the vaccines here in America. He's the, the person who's supposed to make sure that we believe the science and follow the, uh, the, the, the science of, of, of coronavirus and vaccines and health and safety. And so just, uh, just for some of us, it's a little hard when we believe that science is really clear on this, that, that male and female is scientifically uh, as clear as it can be. Um, and yet the guy who's trying to cram his science down our throat doesn't know the difference. Um, that, that causes me concern. But you say, Brett, you're just a homophobic, uh, anti-LGBTQ or whatever. That's not the heart. The, the, the idea is I'm actually pro-God and God says, this is the way I created humanity. So what people don't understand is to make these claims that this is the first woman um, who's the four-star admiral, um, to make those claims is to be speaking against the true and living God. It's counter to what the Bible teaches. And I feel like that's just more of the darkness being sort of postured as light. There's a lot of fake light. Do you know that Satan is an angel of light, the Bible says? but it's a short-term light, it's a fake poser light. It's, 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 a, it's a short-term light that doesn't last. Now with all this stuff, this kind of black, dark background of what's happening, um, what, what, what's amazing to me is what people are really passionate about, what, what people get all upset about or angry or joyful or freaked out. Have you noticed that people are a little bit on edge lately? People are on edge, people are angry. Um, if you, you know, for those of you that are online watching, all of you guys that live down in Arizona or Florida or Texas or Idaho, we're still wearing masks here in Oregon. Like, uh, you know, like if you go to Home Depot uh, and you're not wearing a mask, you might just be the only one in the store without a mask on. Um, and what's more, uh, if you are not from Oregon, you'll, you'll be yelled at. People will come up and yell at you and give you scowls and dirty looks and, and all this. And some of you are like, yeah, because you're not scientifically being safe. Well, the science on that is really interesting because at best, nobody agrees in the science community. You can find brilliant scientists are saying the mask is a total waste of time. Um, uh, and you can also find, you know, so, some people like Fauci say you have to wear a mask, although he said you shouldn't wear a mask at first, the, the scientists. It, it's like a, at least it's a mixed message and it's been that way for a long time. So I really don't care about mask or no mask or anti-mask or all that stuff. Um, but what I do care about is the vitriol and the anger and, and the, the, the people are acting like you're killing, you're a murderer if you're not wearing a mask. That's interesting to me. People are, this is, this is where you start to see what people are passionate about. People get more upset about a, a person walking around Portland without a mask on than they care about the human trafficking that's going on in the city of Portland. That's amazing to me. Nobody cares about the human trafficking. We're one of the worst cities in America as far as human trafficking goes. But nobody gives one tiny little care about these poor women and young children who are are being victimized by human trafficking. Meanwhile, oh, you're not wearing a mask. That's something to get mad about. I think that's just evil. That's just darkness at its best. 
Oh man, I could just go on on about what people are passionate about. You know, if you're a Bible teacher on some social media platform, you, you might get canceled. You might be blocked. You might have, you know, the blackout in your channel or whatever. But meanwhile, Cuties continues to play on Netflix, which is basically, you know, uh, pedophilia at its worst. It's amazing to me, just the darkness and we posture it as light. Um, people are more concerned about endangered birds than they are the aborted baby. That's amazing to me. Just darkness, evil, wickedness. You say, Brad, I, I was hoping for more of an encouraging sermon today. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a nice Sunday and sunny. Uh, it is Halloween. <laughs> uh, in my defense. Um, no. I, I think that my point is this. Before we can talk about the main thing that Daniel's talking about here, I think we have to understand this world is a dark place and it's getting darker, I believe, by the minute. And the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. And I think we're seeing some of those things ramping up, like the Bible says about the last days. So here's Daniel chapter 12, verse three. It's right in the middle talking about the end of the world and darkness and, and Satan being uh, eventually bound by Michael, the archangel who'll stand up against him and all this stuff. But it, right in the middle of all this kind of mayhem and darkness, I love this little verse, verse three, that says that, man, the wise person, does anybody wanna be in the wise category? Well, it says here, the wise person will shine as the brightness of the firmament. That's real light, not the poser light, not the satanic light of angel of light kind of thing. But, but you know, so, so some people posture safety as light, but, it, but really I think it's darkness. Some, some people posture open-mindedness as light, but no, it's actually really darkness. But as Christians, as, as the church of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to be the lights in this world as Jesus is the light of the world. We are, we are called to something higher and better. And especially as you and I might just be living in the last days, we should follow this verse. The wise person, those that are wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament. Man, I love that. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing how um, we, what are our brightest, you know, in the secular world, in the non-Christian world, what's the brightest spots of light? It's always interesting. If you ask the average secularist, what's the brightest? I think they would have to admit, you know, Hollywood and, and their favorite, you know, movie stars and, and musicians and perform the stars. That's what they call them, stars. But I believe that um, there's actually legitimate stars that the Bible talks about that are people. And it's not gonna be the Hollywood stars. Hollywood stars, you know, shooting stars one day, falling stars another, just ask Alec Baldwin. Um, I'm just, just I, I won't get into that one. Um, but, but the world has these poser stars and, and we get all up in a tizzy about these famous people and, and uh, you know, these uh, Oscar winner, Grammy winner, you know, stars and stuff. But here the Bible says, not only the, the, the wise people shine as the brightness of the firmament, but those who turn people, many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. What's that all about? Well, I, I think there's something that's in the Bible that's interesting. Let, let's break this down a little bit. First of all, when it says, you know, they that be wise, the very first part of this verse of our text um, is an interesting little phrase, they that be wise. The Bible talks all about wisdom and wants, God wants his children to be this, you know, this, this wise person. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. So wisdom is something to be 
to be longing for. You and I should wanna be part of this team, the wise team. So what are we supposed to do? They that be wise. You know, I love James chapter three. There's a, a similar phrase in James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. I call this the sieve. You can put anything you're thinking about doing or going or hanging out with or whatever, you can run it through the sieve of James three and see, is this of God or of this of Satan? Who is a wise man? Same kind of language of Daniel. And endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation or action or um, profession. The word conversation in the old English wasn't just talk, it was your walk and the way you live. So out of a good you know, behavior, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. Envy and strife. Envy is wanting what everybody else has. Strife is that, that, that condition of the heart when you're just unhappy with things in general uh, or situations or people, there's strife. Strife and envy is kind of where we are when it comes to everybody wanting to be more like the world or following Hollywood or, or the stars. Oh, if I could only have that or if I could be wealthy, if I could, and you have strife and envy in your heart. The Bible says, if you're wise, you're gonna know that this is not wisdom from God, but this descends not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. It comes from Satan himself, this whole envy and strife mode. You can ask yourself, am I, am I wanting to have that because of strife and envy? Am I wanting to get better or stronger or faster or more successful in my career so that you can you know, fill that hole in your heart that's full of strife or envy? You gotta understand that's from Satan. He's the one who stirred that up. That's not from the Lord. That's confusion and every evil work. But then the next part of this verse goes on in verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know, we're, we're living in a world where we can sort of run things through. Is, is this of the Lord or is this of Satan? And I love James 3 for this. It's, I call it the sieve. Just run through everything through the sieve and see is this of God or of devil? So, you know, um, of course, let's talk about, since I'm on all the controversial subjects today, um, let's talk about racism. Because racism is obviously a horrible thing. But you know, today, some of the so-called answers to racism is only stirring up racism. Does anybody sense that? That racism is starting to rise to like this feverish pitch? You know, because the answers the world's trying to give today is it doesn't fit the sieve here. Is it wisdom from God? Well, if it's wisdom from God, it's gotta be good fruit, full of mercy, full of mercy, good fruit, without partiality. Um, what is partiality? It's when you start parting things out and preferring one person over another. Isn't, you know, if, if you really look at what critical race theory is talking about today, you're realizing that, you know, one group is supposed to be the victim, one person's group is supposed to be the oppressor, and, and everybody, should, these guys should feel bad, and, and, and it's, just, it's just dividing, and, and it's not mercy, it's not good fruit, it's just causing consternation, strife, and contention. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, 
before we can at least say, well, racism, yeah, if, if you're in like the KKK and the horrible things of the, the South and, the, and all the, the history of the United States, of course, horrible. But they're trying to push this kind of new sort of way to deal with racism. And I think it's hurting everyone. It's hurting everyone. Why? Because it's totally contrary to what the Bible says. You can run critical race theory through the sieve of the scripture and through the sieve of James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. And you realize no wonder it's not working and it's only stirring up anger and trouble. By the way, I think um, we don't need, we shouldn't be fighting as much for equity. Good luck with that one. We should be fighting for unity, the church. I love what the Bible says about racism because it's so simple. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be fancy. Um, I've said it before, three words from the Bible that Jesus said, love one another. Man, if you do that, well, Brett, it's not that simple. It is, it is that simple. Don't be duped by these people. It's way more complicated and you don't understand. Uh, it's so funny how there's the people that understand, they say, and there's so many millions of people, we just don't get it. But the truth is, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ, um, we're called to love one another, unity. Um, but the world has their answer and it's not wisdom from above. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. Um, without hypocrisy, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This is so contrary to where our world is at right now. James nails it here. So as the days seem to grow darker, what should we do in light of this? So we're called to be children of the light, the brightness of the firmament, and those who point people into righteousness, many to righteousness, they're gonna shine like the stars. What does the Bible say? Four things, and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, um, be careful, Christian, not to get caught up in the darkness. You see, because even as I share those things from the first part of this study and this discussion, you know, some of your hearts are being stirred up with disgust and anger and, and I almost did that on purpose because honestly, this is something that we all can wrestle with, myself included. You watch the news and you feel your temperature boiling. And, 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 and what's the result of that? Do we get all worked up and upset and man, we wanna give people a piece of our mind and so we start talking and, and we start you know, social mediaing it up and uh, giving everybody a piece of our mind. One thing we as Christians need to do is rise above all this. Don't get sucked in to the darkness. I think there's a vacuum. And so when darkness is, is flourishing on the earth, even the Christian church is starting to get sucked in. When we should be children of the light, joyful and pointing people to the love of Christ and, and um, you know, on all these issues that we're talking about, instead of griping and grumbling and being grouchy and you know, Debbie Downers and Brett Bummers, you don't wanna do that. You don't wanna do that. Don't get caught up in the darkness. I think it's ever so subtle too. Now I'm gonna hit some people really hard with something that you're not gonna like. Are you guys ready? Here it goes. Now some of you are like, okay, I know where this is going. Others of you are like, okay, NASCAR and racing? Um, I'm so confused now. Well, well on October 2nd, um, uh, the Talladega Super Speedway, there was this race, uh, NASCAR race, you know, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and Brandon Brown was the winner. Um, the sportscaster uh, that was there interviewing and talking and all this stuff, she, uh, Kelly Stavast, believed the crowd was chanting for him after the race. And the, this huge crowd, these NASCAR crowds are giant, you know. And they're all yelling out, you know, rah, 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 and she didn't, she didn't know what they were shouting. Um, she thought they were saying, let's go, Brandon. 
Um, that's what she thought. But it turned out the fans had a little different intention and were actually shouting against President Joe Biden and uh, ch chanting, actually using, dropping the F-bomb uh, in their little chant. Um, now, some of you are like, yeah, that's pretty funny, haha. <laughs> I, I memed that, I got a meme and I said that and we're like, let's, let's put it on all of our stationery and uh, on the bottom of our cups and, and all this stuff now. Uh, um, so so they, everybody thinks that's funny, but now here's where the religious prude, where the self-righteous pastor uh, is gonna be accused at least of that. Um, but I gotta say, Christian church, what in the world are we doing? Should we be on this, this bandwagon? See, because it's almost like, you know, I'm a little shocked that, that the last, last few days, how Christians have jumped on this let's go Brandon bandwagon. I'm not arguing anything about um, how bad the president's doing right now or how good he's doing. I'm not arguing any of that. But should the Christian church be jumping in? It's almost like we Christians have found a way to, to be vile without having to be vile. We know what we're saying, but we're not saying it. So like, yeah, I'm gonna put it all over my Instagram and I'm gonna put it all over, because it's funny and, and it's true. And, and, and also there's, there's this little sense, I'm just calling us out on this, of they were saying that about the previous president all the time. You know, you're dropping the F-bomb with Donald Trump. So in a way, this is for us, you know, to be able to say the same thing without actually saying it. Hmm. Do you think Jesus would, I mean, I know this sounds uh, self-righteous and all this, but do you think Jesus would be on that bandwagon? Because um, the Bible teaches us to, to act very differently than that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm all for talking constructively about uh, politics. And, and I, I, you know, now the thing is, as a, as a pastor, people say, Brett, sometimes you do talk about politics. You shouldn't do that. Um, first of all, um, I, when I teach the Bible, the Bible does talk about the world and world events and world attitudes and stuff. So I'm gonna talk about whatever the Bible talks about and, and be happy to do that. But at the same time, we have to be careful not to be sucked in to the world's darkness and do the same things the world does. Ephesians chapter four totally goes against this movement when it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that means to build up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And it says, think about this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. I really do wonder if some of us by, you know, jumping on, and I know some of you are laughing, Brent, it's not that big a deal, so what? You know, you drop the F-bomb once in a while, even if you don't use it technically. No, I think it is a big deal because um, not only is it something that's corrupt communication, but it's also not ministering grace and it's not merciful. It's, and, and could it be grieving the Holy Spirit of God? Man, we can talk about all the stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to, I've already mentioned the things that are horrible in the world right now. And, and you might say, well, that's why I chant what we should chant. But no, I think we should let no corrupt communication. We need to be careful about what we, what we say and how we're saying it. Um, just remember what we're actually told to say and do about our leaders. In 1 Timothy chapter two, verses one through four, I exhort therefore, first of all, that's the priority, first of all, Supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. But the idea is, you know, verse two, especially for kings and for all that in authority that we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
You know what I love about this? And I've mentioned this before, but I gotta say it, especially if you're new here, because some of you might say, yeah, what does Paul the apostle know? You know, telling young Timothy, what does he know? He doesn't know Joe Biden. He doesn't know Donald Trump. He doesn't know Obama or, you know, Bush or Clinton or Bush, or he doesn't know. Now here's the thing. The, the, the great thing about this is Paul writes this and he takes away anyone's argument because the leader at this time is none other than Caesar Nero himself, arguably the worst leader that's ever been in the history of the world. You know, we think our leaders are bad. I mean, Nero took Christians like you and dipped them while they were alive in boiling hot wax and dipped them over and over and over again and then took their bodies and tied them to these giant lampposts out in the, hang, in the uh, streets of Rome and then lit them on fire. And while they were burning, he would ride nakedly in his chariot up and down the street, shrieking with delight, saying, Christians are the light of the world. That's the leader that Paul's talking about here. And what are you supposed to do? For kings and for all that in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Um, uh, I think we're not really getting the picture here. When Paul says that about Nero, it takes away the argument that you and I might have about our leaders uh, and then some. Don't get sucked into the darkness. Don't sort of respond to darkness with darkness. The church is supposed to be bright and light. That brings us to the second point number two. Um, we should let our lights shine. That's, instead of being dark and bummers and yelling and angry and the vitriol and all that spewing, instead of that, you and I as Christians are called to be lights. Jesus made this clear um, in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill uh, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. By the way, um, I'm not arguing for inactivity or uh, some of you are called to political activity. And I, I need to commend those of you that are doing this, but at the same time, staying uh, in the, the, the mode of being light instead of darkness. I love some of the work I see being done out there. Um, there's some people I'm a little ashamed of that we as Christians are sort of just dark and we're joining the yelling and the screaming and all that stuff. But I love the people that are out there doing the work, but still pointing people to Jesus and still reminding them what the true light is. That, that's a good work right there. Now, not everybody's called to that, but some of you are, and I don't wanna discourage you or make you think that I'm putting that down. I'm actually wanting to commend you. But I love it because Jesus said, don't hide your light. If you're a Christian, how do you hide your light under a bushel? By having the light in you, but not letting anyone see that light. And you can hide that by your grouchiness or by your disgust or by your anger. Uh, don't hide it, in, but put it on a candlestick so that your light might shine before all men. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. <laughs> you're strange. Um, the word peculiar there, it, it kind of means you're set apart. You're different. That you should show forth, that means the shine, shine in a certain way, show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I, we were called out of darkness. Why, why in the world would we go back into the darkness? Why would we jump into darkness like the rest of the world is doing? You and I are called out of that. Um, show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, 
Um, I love the light of Christ because it's so perfect and it's so steadfast. Um, what a great thing. Number three, we should be people that point others to the light, pointing people to the light. Um, this is where our verse kind of teaches us this. Um, by the way, Jesus, John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus spake again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me, Jesus said, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus is the one who is the light. And if you follow Jesus, you're, you're following the light. But if you go back to our verse in Daniel 12, three, um, now we're told, and they that turn many to righteousness, that's turning people to Christ, because Jesus is our righteousness. There's no righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. So, you know, we know what Daniel's saying here, the angel's saying to Daniel, we know that that's speaking of turning to righteousness, that's Jesus himself. And they that turn other people, many of, of the people to righteousness, they'll be as the stars forever and ever. Man, I love that. Uh, the stars are permanent, lasting. You know, on 4th of July, I love 4th of July, it's fun, fun. I love fireworks, it's great. But fireworks are flashy, but they're short term. You know, you see the brightness, but then they kind of fade and they turn into ashes. Back in the old days, we used to, when the church was a little smaller, we used to get to Willamette Jet Boats, uh, Andy over here, Athey Creeker, uh, who owns that. We, we used to take his three boats. I think we had like 60 something people on each boat and we'd, we'd go out and spin around and get all wet and have a great time. And then we'd tie the boats together and do a little worship service out on the river, 180 people or whatever out on the river singing. And then we'd park right under the fireworks uh, in downtown Portland. It was awesome. Best view, best seat in the house. Um, and it was awesome. And the brightness was beautiful and everything. But you know, afterward, you're just kind of left with a bunch of ash. Remember that one, one time we were parked and the wind was just right where we were watching, ooing and aahing, but the ash was blowing right into our faces. We're kind of like, oh man, this is not so, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's what you got with the world. It's a, it's a bright light, it's, it's temporary, but then that all fades. But if you sit out there and look for longer after the, after the fireworks are gone, then you start to see the stars again. And the stars are glowing and they've been glowing for thousands of years and they've been unchanging, immovable. Um, so standard and so set are the stars that they use the stars to navigate back in the old days in the ships of the South Seas. And they look at the stars because they were set. That's what the Bible compares you and me. Those that point people to Jesus the light, you're gonna be stars, the Bible says, forever and ever. You're, you're that person, that's interesting. Um, now, now this brings us to, to kind of an interesting thing, thought-provoking really, in point number four on our list. Um, point number four speaks of, of um, this light. Let me, let me uh, read you, first of all, um, about J the B, John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God, John chapter one, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, pointing to Jesus, that all men through him might believe. He, John the Baptist, was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. So John the Baptist, he was called the greatest man ever born among women, which means enough to say he was the greatest guy ever lived. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. What was his whole purpose? To point people to the light. That's what Daniel 12, three is saying. People that you know, lead many to righteousness. 
They'll shine like the stars forever. And see, that's, that's really where, you know, point number four comes. We should remember that the bigger picture as it relates to you being lights in this world, pointing people to Jesus, that has an eternal impact on your existence. It's eternal. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, a little mysterious that Daniel would hear from this angel that the people that lead many to righteousness, not only are gonna shine brightly like the firmament, but they're gonna also shine like the stars. And it says, forever and ever. Brother, are you suggesting that we are gonna shine like stars when we get to heaven? That's what the Bible says. Check this out. This is interesting. You know, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Does anybody know? Quiz time for you Bible scholars. Anybody know what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about? If you had to say one word, what is 1 Corinthians 15 about? Anybody? Right, the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection. And it's, it's powerful because it's life after death. As a Christian, you, we get to be resurrected because Christ rose from the grave. It's the salvation through Jesus. It's so awesome. But most of it's pretty easy to understand. But suddenly, Paul, in the middle of this amazing dissertation on the resurrection, life after death, he puts in this. He says, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory, and the word glory there means the brightness or the shining out. The, the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. He, he, you might say there's a brightness of the sun, but there's also the brightness of the moon. Would you agree they're different? Yeah. He says, there's another glory of the stars for one star differeth from another star in glory. So is also the resurrection of the dead. Huh? What? When people raise up from the dead, when you're a Christian and you are resurrected, some people are gonna shine really, really bright and other people not so much. Well, Brad, I don't know if I like that. That scares me. Some of you are thinking right now, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna barely be shining. <laughs> But then, you know, my wife, she's gonna be there, rah, 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 she's done so much more. Like some of you are like, what is that? Is that gonna be a bummer? One thing I like to remind you about heaven is all your tears will be wiped away. There's gonna be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. That's good news, right? Um, so nobody's gonna be bummed out in heaven. That's one thing you have to understand. When people think, well, I don't know if I'm gonna like that. You will, you'll like it. Well, what if I'm a star that's not shining as bright as other people? I'll be bummed out. No, you won't. How's that work out? I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's true. It says, so will also the resurrection of the dead be as there's some stars that shine brighter than other stars. That's the way heaven's gonna be. And, and the only explanation I have that might help, but it's pretty clumsy, but I'll do it anyway. It's like if you walk into the kitchen and there's a little two-year-old sitting on the floor playing with pots and pans. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And you're like, That's, that doesn't look like that much fun. In fact, where's the Advil, man? <laughs> Why? Because you're not a two-year-old. Now, if you were to sit down with that two-year-old and bang pots on the floor, they're having the time of their life. They love it. They're having a blast, making all the noise and banging. They're just having a great time. You're, 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 so you sit down and you start banging pots. And you're like, let's see if this is, makes me happy. And as you bang pots, you're like, nah, it just doesn't do anything for me. Other than give me a headache. But if you take that same two-year-old and you, you know, give that two-year-old to Pastor Brett and there I get on my, my, one of my favorite things to do is take my dad's GSXR 1000 for a little spin. 
So he's a motorcycle. He's got a Yoshimura engine and it goes 200 miles an hour. It's a pretty fast motorcycle. It's a fun bike to ride. And I sort of put that little two-year-old there on the gas tank and say, hey, we're going for a ride. Um, Brad, how is it going to duct tape? No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, so I'm riding and take off. And I'm just going down the road. No, a racetrack, because I'm perfectly legal. Um, will that two-year-old enjoy that little ride? Absolutely not. How do you know, Brett? Because I was that two-year-old. <laughs> my, my dad used to take me for rides on his motorcycle when I was a little kid, and I remember being horrified. Um, uh, but now, as an adult, I like horsepower, and I like speed, and I think it's a total blast. Banging pots and pans on the kitchen floor, mm, not so much. You see, the difference is my capacity to enjoy something is different than the two-year-old's. But we're both really happy. The two-year-old's really happy, you know, banging pots and pans. I'm really happy on a really fast motorcycle. So we're all happy, but it's different capacities. I think that's what heaven's gonna be like. There's, the way you spend your life on this earth will directly affect what your capacity will be in heaven. The brightness will be determined. And one of the things the Bible gives us here in Daniel 12, three is the person who points others to righteousness and shines brightly like the firmament, as it turns out, they're gonna, they're gonna shine brightly forever and ever. The Bible says that. There's sort of a link to 1 Corinthians 15 and the resurrection there, and then the talk of the resurrection in Daniel chapter 12, and it has to do with the way you're gonna work out for all of eternity. What, what are you gonna do? So some of you might say, but I don't care if I'm banging pots, at least I'm in heaven, whatever. And I get that too, That's, I'm happy too about that. But why in the world wouldn't we wanna say, man, I wanna live a life that somehow makes a difference for all of eternity. And, and I think one of the things about this little verse here in our text in Daniel is Daniel's telling us, listen, um, do you wanna be wise? If you wanna be wise, shine bright, like the firmament. If you wanna be wise, Point other people to righteousness, many to righteousness. It's actually a thing um, where you're winning people over to Christ, sharing the good news of the gospel. That's part of the brightness of eternity. It's not about Grammy winners and Oscar winners. It's honestly about soul winners. Does anybody, remember, anybody you older people remember the word, the phrase soul winner? Are you a soul winner? It was an old saying. In fact, I have a Bible called the Soul Winner's Bible. Um, Spurgeon used to talk about soul winning. Um, and it's a term we don't use as much anymore, but it's not a bad term because souls are lost. In this dark world you and I are living in, there's a lot of lost souls headed for destruction. But you and I can win souls over to Christ by shining the light of Christ in these dark days. You know, I've found, I don't know about you guys, but I've found in these days, even your hardcore secularist is open to talking about eternity and heaven and Jesus because things are dark. Even the secularist is sensing something's off. There's weird things going on. Something's afoot. And I've found people are more receptive today than they were 10 years ago to hearing about Jesus. And the question is, are you gonna be the bright light shining Christ and pointing people to righteousness? Or are you gonna be grouchy and grumbly and talking about Biden and Trump and, and problems and you know, politics and stuff? Again, there's a place for that, but not the grouchy part. We should all be lights shining brightly and pointing people to Christ. And by the way, if you're here listening uh, in this room or if you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus, man, you're missing out on the light of life. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if you feel like the days are dark, turn on the light switch, 
Just believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. See, the Bible says, this is the gospel, you're a sinner and we're all sinners and we all fall short. We're all headed for hell and destruction. But good news, while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid a penalty that we owed. And if you will, you can let him substitutionarily take your sin and he'll take it off of you. He'll say, I bore your sin on the cross when I died. And he did that for the sins of the whole world. So anyone, whosoever, believes in Christ that he did that for them and accepts that work for themselves, if you accept that and receive that, the Bible says, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and forgives them for the sins, as you repent, the word repent, it just means to acknowledge your sin before God and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. And if you acknowledge that and repent of your sin and then say, and I want you to forgive me and save me by the cross. The Bible says you will be saved. You know, forget all the other topics. That's the greatest topic in the whole world. Why wouldn't that be on the tip of our tongue rather than talking about vaccines all the time or about masks or about, um, you know, whatever makes us mad or bitter or inflation or you know, supply chain problems or whatever the problems are, we can talk about those, but we can talk about the solution to everything. The old Andre Crouch song rings a bell in my heart. Um, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. We have that message, you guys. Why wouldn't we speak it? Why wouldn't we tell it to everyone we see? You are the light of the world. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Lord, I pray that you would help us to just search our own souls um, on this Sunday morning. We do sense, Lord, there's a lot of darkness out there and bad things going on, but we also know that you're the light of life and the light of the world. And Lord, you'd tell us to be children of the light. And as we walk in light, as you are in the light, we, we, we get to have this great fellowship, um, one with another, but also with you, Lord. We get to have that close fellowship with you. So forgive us where we've been drawn to be dark and grouchy and grumbly and talking about things that we really often should leave behind. And, and Lord, help our, our words to be gracious words. Help us to speak words that, that are not corrupt communication, but edifying and, and Lord, good and gracious. Lord, help us with this and, and just convict us in that loving way you do. We don't want anybody to feel condemnation because you're not given to that, but you are given to conviction. So convict our hearts, Lord, of these things. May your church shine brightly. And I also pray that if anyone doesn't know you, that they'd be saved and give their life to Christ even today. We ask this knowing you've heard our prayer and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.